Welcome to the Kanoi Church Podcast. We're glad that you're interested in connecting through this teaching time. If you'd like to connect further, feel free to reach out to us through our website, kanoichurch.org. For now, enjoy this teaching from Kanoi Church, where our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey there, good morning, Kanoi. It is so good to be together for this teaching time, and I realize it's a little bit different. Uh, You know, we're we're virtual today, which means that what we're trying to do is have a church at Kanoi, but with no congregation there, as a way to help all of us take some space from each other on a semi-regular basis to make sure that if any of us were to have the coronavirus, we're not actively spreading it to one another. It's a small sacrifice that we can make not just for the safety of, of you and our community, but the safety of those who are not in our community, but might be your family, might be your friends. Uh, and so it's different, but I'm glad to be with you today. Uh, of course, this, this view gives you a better picture of my hair and, and how much I've gotten rid of. Uh, but I will tell you this, officially, officially, the checks have been written, the money has been pulled out of the accounts, and officially, we are debt-free, and that is something we're celebrating. I'm so excited for that. Now, I had originally planned to be with the worship team in the church to bring you the sermon today. Unfortunately, things sometimes work against us, and due to some recent exposures in my small circle of of family and friends, uh, I also need to wait on a COVID test in order to make sure that that I don't have the virus. And so so this sort of a schedule is actually perfectly explained because I could have come to church and while I'm not symptomatic, I could have the virus and I could spread it to some people that I work closely with, whether that's somebody in the sound booth or it's somebody on the worship team or it's somebody uh, who might come into the church, you know, just to, and I might say hi and greet them. And so this is exactly what we're trying to be cautious of. So I would covet your prayers. My family covets your prayers uh, to make sure and, and hope and pray that we are not um, we don't have the virus and it's not something that we're spreading around. But it's kind of ironic and also um, completely appropriate that the season of Advent is upon us, which is a season of, of waiting. And here I am waiting on a Corona test. Uh, so let's talk about Advent a little bit. I want to just give you some information. about it. Last week, we finished up our series on Jonah and we started talking about Advent. Advent it's a word that literally means coming, all right? We talked about this last year at Advent, and I'm sure that several years before that, you know, you've had other pastors or you've heard other sermons given that talk about this idea of Advent and that it literally means coming. In the very earliest days of the church, the, the Advent season was not about Christmas and, and wasn't even connected to the birth of Christ. As much as it was a 40-day period for people who had just begun to follow Jesus to fast and to pray uh, as they get prepared to be baptized at a celebration feast in January. That's a pretty cool thing. A couple of hundred years after that, the church began to widely accept 
that Advent, this idea of coming, was really a, a celebration around the second coming of Christ. And so when Christ returns, he's going to gather up those who follow him and he will, um, you know, th that's what we call the rapture. Uh, he'll, he'll judge the earth. That's, that's something we learn about in the book of Revelation. And so the earlier church was, was also celebrating this idea of the second coming of Christ. It's actually in the medieval church um, where we find that the church finally made that jump into talking about Advent as a way to celebrate, to look forward to the coming, to wait on the birth of Jesus. And so Advent became to be this time that we celebrate waiting, hoping, anticipating the birth of Jesus being born in Bethlehem. And so here we are, waiting, hoping. You know, across all of history with the church, whether it's through waiting on the the believers who are new to be baptized, or it was waiting on the second coming of Christ, or it's celebrating Mary and Joseph and all of us who waited on the birth of the Messiah, is always this theme of waiting. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about waiting. We're going to talk about how waiting is actually a gift to us. Uh, but to, in order to get the conversation started, I thought we could do it with some smiles. So let's check out this video. Sure. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right.
So I'm gonna leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. Wow. Hey, waiting can be really hard, right? I mean, it's perfectly illustrated with our children. It, waiting on a, a snack, you know, to, to be able to eat it or to get a second one. Waiting is hard. Oh, man. And I just think about some of the realities of life right now. You know, I, I shared with you that, that we're waiting on some tests to come back. Um, I think of people who are in a congregation who are dealing with health issues. And they are waiting for God to answer their prayers, or they're waiting for new medications to work, or they're waiting on a diagnosis. I think of some families who are connected to our church who have lost loved ones, and they are waiting to be able to have a celebration of life, to celebrate that person because of our inability to gather in, in large numbers. Uh, waiting is, is, is really hard. I thought maybe today I could share kind of honestly with you. Um, and that's not to say that I don't share honestly with you. Other weeks, I just mean, is it okay to just have some real talk for a second? You know, the season of Advent is this celebration. It's the anticipation of, of the birth of Jesus. And we talk about things like hope and, and peace, joy and love, being faithful. And it's actually a really hard season for me. Um, a really hard season for my family. Because this is the season of life when we lost our two daughters. Years apart, but the same season. And so, though I'm called to be a pastor, and though part of the joy that I get is to talk with you about those things, it can be really hard. It can be really hard to talk about those concepts in a season that often reminds me of having Thanksgiving in a hospital, of thinking about Christmas plans from the side of a bed, of not being able to bring ourselves to go to certain family things or to put up a Christmas tree certain years of our lives. Because of this, loss is really hard. Loss is so hard. And I think about I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and what she lost. Now, don't get me wrong, Mary gained a lot, didn't she? I mean, she became a mother through this whole thing. She got an incredible son. But think, of too, think too about what she lost in this whole thing. Let's actually read a passage of the Christmas story from the book of Luke. Would you read with me? In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. It's like a beautiful, beautiful story, isn't it? You think about this God who creates the entire universe, who creates the heavens and the earth, who puts life into it, who knits you in your mother's womb, knows how many hairs will be on your head, knows what kind of personality you're going to have, knows the sort of troubles that you're going to run into in your life, you know, knows the sort of happiness and joy that you'll know as well. That God that is so invested and so loves us, the same God that we just talked about for weeks about how he cared so much about Jonah, he tracked Jonah down. He cared so much about the sailors that he helped bring the sailors to him. He cared so much about a city of Nineveh who were a bunch of enemies of Jonah that he brought that whole city to its knees for him. He cared so much about Jonah that he didn't leave Jonah to his anger, but he chased Jonah down outside the city and had conversation with him. See, we serve a God that is, is so invested in us and in our world. I don't know if you've ever heard about how God is like a, he's like a watchmaker and he, he kind of creates the watch and then he winds it up puts it down and he just gets away. And that's his involvement. But I don't believe in a God like that. I, I just don't believe in a God like that because of stories like this about Mary, how Mary is this, Mary is this young woman. She's probably 15, maybe 16 years old, right? And unbeknownst to her, she has somehow found favor with God. So God's been watching, God's invested. And God sends his angel, his mouthpiece, his uh, the, the person who's going to take this, this wonderful news, this wonderful message, he sends a messenger, a divine messenger, to Mary, to share with Mary that not only has she found favor with God, but God has chosen her to be the bearer of his son, his son who will be the Messiah, his son who is the fulfillment of all these prophecies that have been laid out for years and years and years ahead of time, that, that God is going to take the throne of King David, of whom Jesus will be a descendant and give it to him. And not only will he have David's throne, but his throne will never end. His kingdom will never end. His reign will never end. It'll go on forever and ever. So, so you have a 16-year-old girl getting this message. But think about what Mary lost in this. She's a 16-year-old. What does every 16-year-old want? They, they want to have fun. They want to they hang out. They want to play. They want to get a job. They want to work. They want to they want freedoms. So many things. What's ahead of a 16-year-old? Their whole life. Mary was definitely already betrothed to Joseph. So what lies ahead of her with this new husband, Joseph, is, you know, becoming a person who takes care of a home and a household, who is going to have children with him, that they're going to make a family. He, she's going to learn how to be a wife. Um, like, there's this whole road ahead of her that doesn't include God entering in and just being like, hey, by the way, everything you had planned, throw it out the window because you found favor with me, which means I have something pretty big, pretty huge, pretty monumental to ask of you. What Mary lost was the future that she thought that she wanted. And I say it like that because kind of true, isn't it? Don't we all make those sort of plans? 
We all think about what our future might look like. We all have hopes and dreams. When I was, a couple years after I was married, I had hopes and dreams of starting a family. That I would have multiple children. That we would, I was a youth pastor at the time. We lived in this little log home that was 150 years old at least. And when the wind blew, the, the pipes froze. I mean, there was this, we, we, we had started a house church. And so on every Sunday night, our living room was filled up with 20, 30, 40 people. And I just thought that was the future. And I thought our little house church would have to figure out what it looked like to have a crying baby in it. And yet God, and I say God because I believe that God orchestrates all things, God kind of stepped down into my own life and completely changed my plans. I never got to bring that little girl home from the hospital. That house church never had to figure out what it was like to have a crying baby in the middle of their meetings. A few short years after that, we would leave that house and, and move on somewhere else. My life was changed so dramatically so quickly. And what I lost was the future that I thought I wanted. Again, I'm gonna just share honestly and candidly with you. When you lose a child, you lose that child over and over and over. My oldest daughter would have been eight this year. And so when her birthday rolls around, I think about what an eight-year-old would be like. I think about what a seven-year-old and a six-year-old and a five-year-old would have been like. And every year, you sort of think about all the dreams that you had with them. I thought about daddy-daughter dances. I thought about, would she be a race car driver like her old man? I thought, would she like to be in the outdoors and go camping like me? Could I teach her about the different trees and the plants that are out there? When she gets to this age, I'm gonna buy her a pink 22 rifle and we'll go shooting together. Like, so when she gets to be that age, you lose that dream. And so every year you grapple with the fact that that whole big life isn't, isn't ahead. So I lose the future when you lose a child. Mary gains a child, but she also loses a future. Doesn't she? She loses the future she thought she would have, a future where she marries Joseph and they build a home together and they have children and they're respectable and nobody questions their marriage or their intimacy or the, the sanctity of either of those things. And yet the 16-year-old girl who's betrothed and not yet married is going to become pregnant outside of wedlock. And people are gonna question and people would expect that Joseph would divorce her. And even Joseph himself grapples with whether he should or shouldn't. And they're going to have to run away, run away from their home. They're going to have to be cautious because there's a king, a king that wants their little baby to be killed. And, and in the midst of all of that, they're grappling with the fact that, well, an angel came to visit both of them and share with them that this is the Messiah. Their son, their child is the Messiah. So whatever future either of them thought they had, I went right out the window. And now, there's a new future ahead. Same is true for me. My new future included adoption. 
It included uh, <laughs> a little boy named Eli and a little girl named Journey who I'm so glad we have them. And if we hadn't been through some of what we went through, we wouldn't have been into the adoption place when they needed a home. And I'm not saying that that's the reason. I'm not saying, oh, that makes it all better. That changes how I feel. That changes the loss. No, it doesn't. Because as a human being, I'm still stuck in my plan. I imagine that Mary was often stuck on her plan too. I imagine there were times while she raised Jesus, where she ran for her life, while she rode a donkey, like while she had given birth in a, in a stable. I imagine there were moments that she thought, my way would have been better. And yet, we all know that God's way is the best way. It doesn't mean it's our way, right? It doesn't mean that it's, it's easy. It just means that we can be confident in the fact that there's a purpose and there's a plan. So even in the midst of, of the loss that some of us have felt, or the postponement, or the waiting for a celebration, or the waiting for a diagnosis, or the hoping in a medication, as hard as it is, we must remain confident in the fact that God's way is the best way, that God has a purpose in mind for all that we're going through. See, God's not the God that winds up the watch and sets it down. God's the God who's invested and involved in our lives. And so if we believe that, there's got to be a reason. The story of Mary having baby Jesus, of getting told, is not the only time Scripture talks about the importance of, of waiting and how it's a, it's a gift to us in so many ways. I want to read you another passage from James. James is actually the brother of Jesus. And so um, this would have been the person that Jesus actually grew up with. And James is noted in scripture of, of not actually believing that Jesus is who he said he was until much later. He really thought that Jesus was kind of, what a crazy dude. I mean, what would you think if your, if your brother started saying he was the Messiah and could do miracles and whatnot? You might question his sanity, right? James sort of does that. But James comes around. James becomes one of the greatest leaders in the early church, and he writes a, a book, or a, he writes a letter called the book of James. That's what we know it as in Scripture. So if you would, why don't you turn with me to James chapter 5, and let's just read a passage together. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains? You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. I love, I love this picture that James is painting here. It tells us to be patient because there is a reason. And I'm saying that God has a purpose. He said, think about a farmer who in the springtime plants the seed in a field. He doesn't get to come out the next day and the plants are all grown and he can harvest, right? No, there's, there's this whole period of waiting that he has to pray and hope and depend on the, the yield of the rains to come and water the crop so the crop will grow and eventually he has a harvest. And this whole time, he has to remain patient and faithful, right? I mean, sometimes it's that simple for us. 
that some of the purpose of the hardships that we go through, the difficult things in life, is that God is doing a great and wonderful work in each of us. And part of that great and wonderful work can come with hardship, especially when we grip so tightly to the plans that we have. Imagine if the farmer planted the seed and he grips so tightly to the plants that he decided he would protect them from the sun because what if the sun would hurt them? Or he'd protect them from the rain because what if the rain would drown the plant out? And so he never let the sun and he never let the rain touch the soil where he planted the seed. Well, then the seed wouldn't grow, would it? Or if it did manage to somehow grow, it wouldn't be healthy. You and I can often grip so tightly to our little plans, the things that we want and hope for, that we decide to protect them from anything. We never expose them to the very things that would actually make them grow. Sometimes we are the plant and we work so hard to make sure there's no chance that we feel loss or pain or suffering of any kind. And so in essence, we protect ourselves from the beating sun in case it might hurt us and burn us, right? We protect ourselves from the downpour of rain in case it might drown us. We make sure we have big retirement accounts so that we can someday relax back and we depend on those things. And, and if something happens to our retirement like a, a recession, we are beside ourselves. Or, or we wanna make sure we have a really good job with a really great paycheck so we can live whatever way we want to. And we depend on that. And we use that money or use that retirement or we use this friend group or we use that excuse to insulate ourselves and protect ourselves from the world around us, from any chance that we might be harmed. And so if I only talk with the people I know and the people that I know like me, then, well, I'm never gonna have an issue, right? I'm never gonna have a relational problem. If I, if I never really share how I deeply feel about things, well, then I'll never get into a, an argument with my family at Thanksgiving because I've held my cards close this whole time. They have no idea what I'm thinking and I won't show them. Sometimes we can use things like money to insulate us from feeling this, the kind of things that people that, that don't have money feel people who have spent a night sleeping in their car or on the street, people that don't know where their next meal is coming from. This is the life that they live and, and we don't know how they got there. It's not our job to know or to judge, but we wanna make sure we never have to go through it. And so we protect ourselves from it. Well, as James points out in this analogy, the rain, and the sun are the very things that the farmer must be patient with and, and be depending on and be faithful about nurturing the plant in the midst of them. Could the sun burn the plant? Yeah. Could the rain drown the plant? Definitely. But the farmer comes along and nurtures the plant in the midst of all of those things, hopefully helping the plant grow stronger, not just in spite of them, but because of them. I used to work at Kenbrook Bible Camp, and, uh, and I worked there for a number of years in a, in a lot of different capacities. But I remember when I was a camper, the property looked one way, and then the first year that I was on summer staff, it looked a different way. They built a new building, 
We had this place called the Upper Playing Field, and it was literally a big field in the middle of the woods. And so around the edge of the field, there was all these gigantic trees. And what they had done was they had actually made that field bigger, and they built a building on it, still called the Upper Playing Field. And what they did was all of the trees that were at the edge of the field had been cut down. And so there were new trees at the edge of the field. Now those old trees that were there, they had been there for decades and decades. And when the wind would come down through the field and blow against the trees, well, those trees were used to it. They were strong enough to stand up against it. it had, they'd grown up in that way, and so their roots were strong. But when they cut down those strong trees, the trees that had been there for decades, they exposed trees that had never had the wind hit them so hard because the old trees were always the break in the wind. And so when the wind hit these new trees, these young trees, these trees without their roots firmly planted, those trees fell over and they had lots and lots of trees falling. The hard things in our lives are a lot like the wind that come in. And if we're well prepared and our roots are well dug, we can withstand those things. And in fact, we'll be stronger because of them. But if we've always been protected from those hard things, or we make sure that we protect ourselves from those hard things so we never have to deal with them, at some point, one of those hard things is going to blow us over. I want to encourage you this morning to dig your roots in. I want to encourage you to, in the midst of the waiting, in the midst of the, the struggle and the pain and the hardship, in the midst of the, the hard stuff that happens, to dig yourself in. Not, not in a way that says, I'm never going to change. In a way that says, I'm going to depend on God even now, more than ever. I'm going to dig my roots in, in a spiritual sense, in my faith, in a way that I've never done before. And if you're not in a season of hardness, but you're in a season of great joy and plenty, well, this isn't the time to go lax either. This is the time for us to all be so faithful, to dig our roots deeper so that when the wind does come, it doesn't blow us over. So when the rains pour down or the sun beats down, the plant actually gets stronger because it's being nurtured. We're being patient because, and we're waiting because God has a purpose. Second Peter is a book that was, or a letter written by the Apostle Peter, another early uh, church father and, and somebody who we read about in the life of Jesus. Peter, this is the same Peter who denied Jesus three times, the same Peter that knew that Jesus was the Messiah and, and claimed he was before the other disciples, the same Peter that pulls out a sword and cuts off someone's ear when they come to arrest Jesus. This is the same Peter who, who jumps out of the boat to go give Jesus a massive hug when he sees Jesus on the shore. This Peter writes us the, uh, several books, but in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says this, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. And now pay attention, because this is really important. Why, Lord, why, God, do you make us wait? Why is a season of waiting important? Why is waiting a gift those are questions that we must ask, especially when life is hard. God, I just would like to come home to you. I remember Carissa and I saying that after we lost our daughters. It would be better if we could just all be together. 
But here's the answer. Peter has the answer for us this morning. The Lord's not slow as some understand slowness. Here it is. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So why is God waiting? Why are we waiting on God? Why is God not just returning? Why doesn't God just fix everything that's wrong in the world? Because the Lord is patient with us. He's waiting on us. He doesn't want to come back too soon. Because if he comes back too soon and not everyone is ready, then they'll perish. And, and God wants to wait as long as he can so that all may come to repentance. That is so awesome. That I, that's awesome. I love that I get to serve a God who will be patient with me until I'm ready. It's sort of like the farmer who planted the plant. And God is the farmer. I'm the plant. And God has put the seed in the ground and he is now watching this thing grow. And the rains are coming and he's helping the rains. Oh, it, it might be hard for me. I might feel like I'm drowning sometimes, but in the midst of it, God's right there nurturing me so that I get stronger because of those rains. Oh, and the sun comes and the sun beats down and, and the sun might be hot. And I might feel like I'm, I'm burning up, but here he is nurturing the plant to get stronger and better and stronger and better because God wants to wait just like a farmer to the right time of harvest. If a, if a farmer harvested too soon, the crop either wouldn't be there or be too small. So the farmer must be patient, waiting until the right moment. See, God's doing the work in all of us. I don't think there's anything that's ever gonna make losing children better. But I can say that it helps me heal when I look back on my life and see that God grew me through it. That God changed me through it. I'm a different person because of it. That as hard as it was in moments that I felt like I was drowning, that, that God nurtured that plant to make it stronger. That the plant that stands before you now wouldn't be this plant if all of that didn't happen. So it doesn't make it better. But it helps me have faith. It helps me to know that God has a purpose for all of this. And in the midst of the waiting, Peter has these other words for us. He said, in the midst of waiting, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Scripture really never lets me off the hook, does it? Because even when I think that it's all about me or it's all about my hardship or it's all about the things that are difficult for me or it's all about the things that are good for me, Scripture continually has me turn from being inward-facing to outward-facing. And it says, hey, remember, good or bad, as you're waiting, as you're being patient, you ought to live holy lives. You ought to care about the people around you. You ought to care about the things that God cares about. You ought to, you ought to love like I loved you. Because in this, the world will know that you follow me. God always is turning us from the inward-facing, self-absorbed viewpoint back out to say that this life 
that I've given you. Sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's wonderful. Sometimes it's a, it's a blessing and sometimes it feels like a tragedy. It's still not always about you. But there are people out there that need you. And you ought to live holy and blameless lives before them so that they'll know me, so that when I do come back, they're ready for me. Because if God's the farmer nurturing our plants, part of us growing is caring about the plant next to us. So in this season of, of Advent, as we think about the gift of waiting, how are you doing? Are you waiting in a way that is just really all about you and you're struggling to get out of your own way? Are you waiting in a way that has you being thankful to God for the ways that he has invested in you, for as involved as he is in your life, as the ways that he is, he's nurturing you and caring for you? Are you looking outwardly and saying, there's my neighbor and they need help. That guy across the street, he could use me. That person down the road, I know they need meals. This person in my congregation I know is sick and I could really be calling them on the phone and checking on them. This person over here, they just lost somebody. I know they lost somebody. I know they're struggling. I'm gonna go visit them. I'm gonna call them. I'm gonna send them a card. Guys, in the midst of waiting, there's all sorts of ways that we can wait. And you can wait in a way that looks like this. That you look miserable you make it all about you. But you close your arms and you close off yourself to protect you. Or you can wait in a way that gets you involved. Involved in the call of God in your life and involved in the lives of people around you. Which way do you want to wait? Because waiting is a gift. You get to decide is there coal inside? Or is there something awesome coming? I think there's something awesome coming. As hard as it might be to wait, something awesome is coming. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this day and thank you for the time that we have together today. God, I do wanna pray over the folks in our congregation who are dealing with a virus right now or, or waiting on tests or are caring about uh, people in their family who are frontline workers. God, I wanna think of folks in our congregation who are sick right now and are just waiting on a diagnosis or hoping for a medication to work. I, I wanna think of those who have recently lost loved ones and now are postponing celebrations. God, I wanna think of those in our congregation who feel like they don't have right now, that they are just missing, that they are they're empty, that they've given all they can give. And I wanna think of those in our congregation who feel like they have plenty and they're full of joy this has been a good season. God, I, I want to just pray that you would knit us all together. Despite the differences that we know and that we feel, despite how this pandemic and uh, how this season of, of Advent or this season of life impacts all of us, that you would knit us together. And God, I, I want to pray for those like myself who've experienced loss in the past and we are entering into a season of celebration that makes it hard because they're not celebrating with those they thought they would celebrate with. God, I pray for peace 
for all of us. I pray that you would continue to give us hope. And I pray, God, that in the midst of this season of waiting, you would not just strengthen us and help us to have our roots grow deeper and stronger, but that you would give each of us a sense of joy as we move closer and closer week by week to the birth of your son, the coming of the Messiah. And we celebrate that Mary, though she lost the future she thought she wanted, she with open arms and open heart open, celebrated the life that you were giving her. And she didn't run away. She embraced it. God, thank you for who you are in our lives. Continue to draw us closer to you and continue to help us to love one another well. Father, we give you this day in your name. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Nick. Thanks for listening. I hope something that you heard today was very helpful. If you want to connect with us further, feel free to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, kanoichurch.org. Sure, I'm glad we're in this together. Thank you.